Julie, since it's year end, we take this time to look back on the podcast episodes that we've recorded over the past year. And, uh, and our producers have asked us to really think about the two, maybe two of the more memorable podcasts that stick out in our mind. So I know it, it's a tough task as I went back, but I've identified my two. How about you? I have. And you're right. It was uh, very difficult as I combed through. We had an action-packed year of amazing guests. We learned so much, but I'm up to the challenge and I'm ready to share whenever you are. Let's do it. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Julie. We're the hosts of the Hartford Fund's Human-Centric Investing Podcast. Every other week, we're talking with inspiring thought leaders to hear their best ideas for how you can transform your relationships with your clients. Let's go. Well, Julie, it's hard to believe that 2023 is almost in the books already. It is unbelievable. It has flown by. But one of the favorite things I like about year end is, you know, you get the top uh, radio hits, you get the top movies, you get, you know, those list of top tens. Well, this has kind of become an annual thing for you and I. We get to talk about maybe the some of the more memorable podcast episodes that we recorded in the last year. Yes, and I even wore my sparkles for the occasion. There you go. There you go. Well, <laughs> hey, as we think about uh, this year's podcast, Julie, I, I think I can speak for, for you as well in that we have so many great folks on. I, you know, one of the best things about hosting our podcast is we get to learn a lot. And actually, a lot of what we learn uh, goes into and feeds a lot of the content that we use with advisors each and every day. And it was funny, Julie, I was speaking at a conference just last week. And before I got up on stage, a, a woman had come up to me and just said, John, I just want to tell you, I follow everything that you guys do. I love the podcast. I like so it, it's it's been very rewarding, and uh, hopefully, it's been very rewarding for our audience as well. It has, I agree, and it's interesting. I think that's been a really unexpected side benefit for me as well is not only the continual learning, but just meeting amazingly smart and talented people and just having really interesting conversations. And I have to tell you, one of the conversations that's really stuck with me since we had it was our discussion with Libby Gree on how to build an onboarding process that creates lifelong clients. You know, John, in the coaching conversations that I have with financial professionals, oftentimes the onboarding discussion comes up, especially when we're talking about the client service model. And I think so often advisors think the work is done when the new account paperwork is signed and the assets transfer in. And I just thought it was so interesting how Libby really made the distinction that the work absolutely doesn't end there. And she gave such actionable ideas on how teams can really change the experience with making just minor adjustments to their process. I don't know. Did that episode stick out to you as well? It did. And, you know, Julie, I remember the conversation. I think it was a uh, question that you had asked of Libby, where you were talking about how to introduce what we refer to as, quote unquote, junior members of the team and how I won't use the word condescending, but 
in the eyes of the client, we should always be looking to kind of uplift the members of our team in terms of, you know, their particular responsibilities. And I thought the thing that stuck out to me of that podcast is how many times do we not even think about the way we introduce others on our team, which could la- uh, which could leave an impression on our clients that's not where we want to be. So I thought, I-, I love the whole episode, but that part of that episode really stuck with me. Yes, that, that part really struck a nerve to me and it was the credibility. You're absolutely right. That's another conversation that I probably have daily with teams, especially as they're bringing maybe a little bit less seasoned team member on and really introducing that person with structure and with purpose and truly giving them credibility from day one. And I loved her answer. And I just thought it was so helpful for teams, especially as they embark on that introductory process. So I thought that that uh, that whole episode just was action packed with so many tips for teams, not only to solidify the onboarding process, but to really think about how they structure that introduction process. And I also liked it because the onboarding process is as you mentioned in your comments, it's something that we almost forget about. We disregard. We almost think it's not part of the process. We just figure somebody on our team will take care of all the odds and ends, right? That's where we dot the I's and cross the T's. But I think that episode brought the real opportunity that exists in paying particular attention to every interaction that we have with our clients. Exactly. And it's so much more than just a stack of paperwork and signatures. And one final note, I've never met anyone that asked Santa for a fax machine. In in the lightning round of questions, I know I grew up asking Santa for a cash machine and Libby asked for a fax machine. And so our common love of office supplies as young girls just really warmed my heart. So I had to mention that as well. But anyway, all in all, a great episode from start to finish. You two are just kindred spirits. That was easy to see. Clearly. So I think the first thing that any advisor really needs to do is to recognize that onboarding is really a process and it's really an opportunity. Um, When you get the onboarding process right, it can be one of the most, and and it's fascinating to me every time I, I work with an advisor who experiences this, but when you get your onboarding process well-oiled and done correctly, it becomes one of the most referable windows of time because the experience is so unique, so different. It's such a differentiator between a client's experience with a previous financial advisor and then yourself. So there's basically three layers of of an onboarding process. And I like to think of it, you know, like dating, like we say before, like once a client says yes and they commit to you, you know, we want to Um, in that financial planning process, we're showing them that, hey, look, we're charming. We're wonderful. You want to work with us. We pay attention to detail. And then if we stop, you know, dating our spouse or we drop the ball after that commitment, what often happens is we forget about how clients feel. And so whenever we're coaching advisors or whenever we're building out processes, we want to keep how our clients feel and how we want our clients to feel at the core of everything that we're doing and build around that. Well, Julie, for for the episode that I thought of first, uh, it was our episode number 96. And our guest was Dr. Jeff Hall, who is an expert in relationships. And we really focused that episode on how to help clients envision their friendships in retirement. 
And the reason why I liked it so much, Julie, is this topic comes up time and time and time again. You know, Julie, we raised this topic with our friends at MIT coming out of the pandemic, and they were particularly concerned about the epidemic of loneliness and isolation. But I see it now, not only in client events that we do, I see it in neighborhood gatherings when I get together with friends and we talk about friends and parents and really the impact of extended life on friendships or lack of friendships and how crucially important it is uh, really to healthy aging. So Jeffrey Hall, I thought was one of our more engaging guests. I would agree. And the timing of that episode for me personally was very interesting as well because my parents had just sold their second home in Arizona where they didn't have any friends down there. And they had bought it right as they retired and had it for eight years. And as I mentioned in the episode, my niece and nephew, their grandchildren are up here in Seattle. And as they started growing up and all of their activities were here in Seattle and my parents were watching those activities unfold. And as they were sitting down in Arizona, I think they realized we want to be where our grandkids and our kids are. And so they put a sign in the ground and sold that house. And they didn't have that network of friendship that Dr. Hall spoke about. And I just thought that was so interesting um, that that network was so crucial. And had they done that research prior to purchasing that house, I think it would have been a totally different outcome. So it really struck a chord with me and actually fostered some really interesting family conversations based upon his comments uh, as we recorded that episode. When he talked about the number of hours it takes to form friendships, right? But also when uh, I know one thing that he said really stuck with me because uh, Julie, you and I obviously have passed through the adolescent stage of our lives with different friendships that come and go. And as a father of, of three children who have just recently passed through that stage, we know many times the friendships dissolve because of, let's quote, drama, right? But I remember Dr. Hall saying, as we age, most friendships do not dissolve because of drama. They dissolve because of lack of maintenance. And I think about how many times do you say, yeah, I should, I should call this friend or that friend, but I think I talked to them like a month ago. And it's been like a year ago, two years ago. So I think being proactive about reconnecting with people who are important, perhaps in other stages of life, maybe when you had your first job or you were growing professionally or, you know, whatever that circumstance might be, thinking intentionally about maintaining and regenerating relationships, not just for us personally, but especially for our clients is really, really important. It's so true. And that's actually something that I've been really trying to do a better job of as I've matured, we'll say, um, is especially on birthdays, is I've I keep a calendar of the birthdays of current friends, current colleagues, former colleagues, and I try my hardest to just send them a text or an email on their birthday, even if it's just that once a year anchor. And I've found that it's become a really special connection point. I think they're oftentimes surprised that I remember, thank you, calendar reminders, 
But it really does, I think, just keep that connection alive. And it's something that I'm really proud of. And oftentimes I'll do it on airplanes or just send that text to a friend that I haven't spoken to in six months that maybe is a friend from middle school and just check in. Hi, how are you? And I think just making it a priority to do that, not because I need something, not because I want something, but just truly to see how they're doing. And let's face it, we probably don't do that enough in this busy world, or we only do it when it's that, oh, I I need to ask them for something, or I'm trying to get an answer versus just the simple, how are you checking in? How, How are things in your world? And so I think that's one thing that the pandemic taught me was the power of just the simple check-in. And so I, I think that's just a best practice that I've tried to implement in my life. I, I, it's not perfect, but I'm trying to get better and stay committed to that. And Julie, you mentioned the timing because it really fit in well with the uh, client module that we have available that we worked on with the folks at MIT called the social portfolio. And so Dr. Hall's comments fit right in with that. And I don't know about you, but one of the things I get asked about all the time is about social media, right? And I remember Dr. Hall, we had a pretty good conversation about our social media engagements equivalent to face-to-face human interaction. And I won't spoil with the answer. Maybe somebody listening will go back and listen to episode 96, but um, I thought his answer was very enlightening. So he stands out as uh, one of those things that kind of stuck with me, mostly because I've heard so much about the topic all year long. I agree. And I think something that will continue to be more and more important in all of our lives and in the lives of our families and loved ones. One of the things that I like to think about a lot is this concept that we have kind of a network of people that we live among. We have the people in our homes. We have the people at our work. We have people in our community or in our neighborhood. We have the people who we you know have conversations with and talk to about important things from financial planners to our hairdresser to the person who you know, favorite person, our barista, right? So we have all of these different ties in our space. And one thing that I like to think about when I think about those ties is all of those ties are very much geographically space uh, important, right? That geographical spaces matter. So if you are not physically with another person, it actually becomes extremely difficult to keep that relationship intact and certainly the level of closeness as we might like. So any transition that changes a geographic space, so leaving a job, Uh, starting a new school uh, or quitting school. All of these things make a big difference in whether or not we have access to the people that really matter. And as a person who has studied extensively online networks, social media, people keeping in touch with old-fashioned media like telephone calls, all of those things are surprisingly rare except for our most important people, the people who really matter. And even then, it's probably less communication than we would really prefer to have because it's harder to do. So the big question that I think I would ask myself whenever making these big life decisions is think to myself, what's now going to be missing or what's added? Another notable episode for me was episode number 97, how prioritizing your mental well-being can impact your business with Brian Portnoy. He really dove into the heart of the matter on thinking about how financial professionals need to think about their own well-being and not just their clients. And I have to tell you, John, in the coaching conversations that I'm having with financial professionals, I have never had more advisors say to me, Julie, I'm burnt out. 
than they are right now. And I really think that this is such an important topic and, and a topic that we're probably not talking about enough. And our financial professionals are doing so much for their clients. They're doing so much for their families, for their teams. And all of a sudden they're burning the candle at all ends and their own health and well-being is possibly taking the back seat. And I think Brian just really emphasized the importance of thinking about us. And if we're not taking care of ourselves, what good are we really to others? And to me, it was just a really impactful message and something that I think was just such a, an important timing. And I would encourage all of our listeners to potentially go back and listen to episode 97 again, especially as we come up on the end of the year. I think this time with all of the end of the year uh, deadlines and, and client needs, and then couple that with holidays and all of those things, I think it tends to be a very, very stressful time. And so could be a perfect episode to re-listen to. I don't know about you, John. What, what are your thoughts on episode 97? So yeah, I, I, I would echo your thoughts on time on it in terms of being a great time of year uh, to, to review that because right after the holidays, we usually have that period of time where we pause to reflect and say, what is it that I would change about the way I was doing things this year? And it's a great time because let's face it, the beginning of January, people, clients usually aren't beating down our doors, although year end performance does come out. So it, it doesn't take too long. However, we seem to get a week or two respite where we can really reflect back. And I think Julie, what impressed me is it's, it's not only the extreme scenarios of burnout and exhaustion, it's also just being better able to focus on what's important. And sometimes we may know those things, but we just need them reinforced. So it's not a matter of knowing about them. It's a matter of execution. And I think Brian really gave us some good ideas around executing on some of those ideas for our own well-being, because you're right, being in this business, we're always looking out for the interests of others. And if we're not careful, our own, our own best interests can kind of fall by the wayside. I, I agree. And I also think that Brian brought up a really good point of the ability to be a little bit vulnerable and really think about that and, and to truly open up. And, and I think that that's such an important step in being honest with ourselves and, and really understanding what do we need in order to heal ourselves and in order to take that moment. And John, I know you're really great about sharing with our team. It's saying, look, if, if we're burning the candle at both ends and we're not putting any fuel back into our tanks, we ultimately aren't going to be good at what we're doing. And I think that that's so important. And again, something that a lot of us aren't great at. And I just think that that message is such an important reminder. I just always think you're your most important asset, right? Yep. Therefore, the investments you make in yourself, I don't care whether it's rest, education, stress management, whatever those things may be. I think the, the investments you make in yourself oftentimes yield the highest return on investment because you can only leverage yourself so much. And if you're not taking advantage of the most leverageable opportunities or the ability to delegate, manage your business, deciding who it is you want to be in your business. By the way, we've had several podcast episodes on that, but these are the they're the important things, Julie. I think Stephen Covey would call them the not urgent, but important things that oftentimes we 
pushed by the wayside. We don't think about a lot, but you know, maybe towards the end of the year is the time that you can carve off a few hours just to think about how to better invest in yourself as we head into 2024. Absolutely. Very important. You know, the folks we work with in terms of, well, where is that line between financial advice and financial therapy or just therapy per se? Mm -hmm. And that can be a dangerous place because you want to do the right thing. Advisors want to do the right thing, but am, am, I, am I qualified to have that kind of conversation? I mean, I think the answer is no, unless you can prove otherwise. So in terms of solution, I mean, maybe the three of us can anchor on just the word community or connectedness and the different ways in which we can feel not alone, the ways in which we can you know, feel that we are being seen and heard and understood. And, you know, then we can almost like Venn diagram wise, like think about, well, what are all the communities that you can maybe be exposed to, um, feel comfortable being vulnerable? Because especially in bigger organizations, that vulnerability could have career costs. Like, I don't want to show anybody them, that I'm weak. I don't want to show anybody that I'm struggling because if they're seeing me as struggling, well, this other person's going to get the promotion or the better accounts are going to be funneled in, 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 in that way. So I think the first form of community we, we can talk about would be in the workplace itself. Just a, a flat out recognition, a, a, a validation that the role has changed, that these issues are front and center. And let's, we, the firm, provide resources so that we can be talking about this in small group settings. We can give you access to, um, you know, uh, me mental health professionals and, and mental health expertise. There's a variety of different, you know, we don't have to design the, the actual tactical plan, but there's a variety of things that a firm can be providing. And it starts off with the, just the word validation. Well, Julie, my my second episode that I selected was, uh, I know, a favorite of yours as well, because uh, Dr. Mark Milstein has become a favorite of our team at Hartford Funds uh, with his really hopeful message about new research on brain health that we've been sharing with clients now uh, for quite a time. In fact, our episode was episode 103, and we titled it How to Discuss Brain Health with Aging Clients. Well, you know, since we've put that episode out there, uh, we've done so many client engagements with this, this topic area, talking about small changes that we can make to our lifestyle uh, that really can have dramatic impact on cognitive health as we age. And Julie, I'll just be honest with you. For me, this topic of cognitive health and aging was one that forever I've been kind of hesitant to embrace because when we talk about dementia, Alzheimer's, so on and so forth. Let's face it, there's not, there's not a good story at the end of the cycle, if you will. But what Dr. Milstein brought was a new hopeful approach, uh, maybe not for people who are, you know, sadly already in the throes of the disease, but for relatives, for other folks who are saying, if there's anything I could do to maybe increase my chances of avoiding some of these cognitive health diseases, um, what is it that I could be doing? And I think Dr. Mark really gave us not only some, some great things to think about, but gave us practical tips that we could implement. 
Exactly. And I think that that's what I loved so much about that. It was such a step-by-step guide of simple changes, small adjustments at the margins, if you will, that anyone could make to their systems and processes that didn't feel overwhelming, that if implemented over time, really, I think, could have a major impact on our brain health over time. And I think often we think of, of changing our processes as this massive undertaking. And, you know, I don't have time for that. I, I'm too busy. I travel too much. And it would just be too much of a transformation. And every suggestion that he has is so simple. I'm not saying easy, but it's simple. And if, if one commits to it, I truly believe that we can have a great impact on our long-term health. And so the way that he lays it out is so exciting and it's just been a delight to learn from him. And Julie, we had done a, a webinar with Dr. Mark where I, I, I moderated a 60 minute discussion with him for Hartford funds. And I can remember at the end of that webinar, there were like 150 questions in queue. But one of the things I remember even more was that we asked of all the advisors who were kind of attending that, um, how many were currently dealing with families that were dealing with dementia, Alzheimer's disease, and the rest? And I think the reply was upwards of 80-90%, which does not differ that much when I'm in front of a live audience of either clients or advisors and ask how many of them have dealt with these issues in their family. So I think the topic area of that podcast is so widely applicable um, to people who are anticipating what I can do for my own health going forward, the health the health of my loved ones, or maybe I've seen uh, what the diseases can do to people that I've cared for. And if there's anything I could do to kind of save my loved ones from a similar experience, why not try it? And I think that's why people get so encouraged about saying, at least there's something I can do. I think Dr. Milstein did a good job of dispelling the myths that basically said, well, you know, it's just part of aging. There's no way to avoid it. Or I'm genetically determined to be getting this disease. And I think his research and the podcast we did with him really starts to change that thinking. So it was encouraging for me. I agree. I think many of us had that. Um, we're predisposed. It is what it is. You know, it's the card I've been dealt. And I think that that positive message of we have a lot of control over our choices every single day. And it's these small decisions that add up over time. That's what was very energizing to me as someone that has Alzheimer's and dementia on both sides of their family and is dealing with the family situation with my grandmother as we speak, who just fell and broke her shoulder and her hip last week. So um, I, I've seen it. I've seen it play out. And I have Dr. Mark's workbook in front of me. And I am implementing the changes as we speak because I do think it is so important. So it was very energizing for me personally. And I'm, I'm confident our listeners as well. If we want to really enjoy our life, we want to get the, the best of the days that we, we have, that we have to take care of our brain. And it's if we work hard and we want to either enjoy uh, retirement or we want to keep working and stay engaged and really get the best of, of, of our time, we just have to take care of our brain. And the hopeful news and the, the really encouraging news is that we now know that there are things that we can do to not only really optimize our brain health each day to improve our memory, our focus, and our productivity, 
but also lower risk of Alzheimer's and dementia, anywhere from 30 to 60%, based upon what I like to say are little things, <laughs> not, not big things, not major changes, just little things that can add up and can really protect our brain short-term and long-term. So it's a field where we have so much more hope and empowerment than we had, you know, just even a couple of years ago, we, we didn't really understand the things that we can do now we do. So the important thing is to get the word out that people know that they can, they have much more control over their brain than they may have thought. They have much more control over their, their, their brain health, their cognitive destiny. Um, and it's based upon these little things that we can do. Now, I know we were we were supposed to select two notable episodes, but I cheated a little bit. Um, I did think about one bonus episode, and you probably know what I'm going to say, but there was one very special episode, John, that we were able to deliver in May for Mental Health Awareness Month um, when we had Nanette Abuhoff Jacobson, who is the Managing Director and Multi-Asset Strategist at Wellington Management Company, for Hartford Funds on. Um, she is on the board of Brookline uh, Community Mental Health Center in her hometown of Brookline, Massachusetts. And we were able to take our Hartford Funds golf outing um, donation money and donate that to the Brookline Community Mental Health Center. And so we surprised Nanette during that episode in honor of uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. And that was just such an exciting surprise. And to see the look on Annette's face, um, it was just it was very energizing to me and just a lovely moment. So I wanted to mention that episode just because it was very special and I'm sure it was special to you as well. We don't typically get to deliver surprises. And as I mentioned that day, I couldn't sleep the night before because I was so excited. And actually I, I could hardly sleep last night just thinking about being able to mention it again. So there well, we go. Julia, it's, it's great. And I do remember it. And Nanette has been such a great friend over the years. I could barely sleep last night because we have a surprise that we would like to share with you today. And I love surprises, but in honor of May being Mental Health Awareness Month, we at Hartford Funds are going to donate all of the proceeds from our upcoming Hartford Funds golf outing to Brookline in honor of all of the work that you do. So we wanted to share oh that gift with you today. Wow. Yeah. That yep. is unbelievable. So yeah, it's great to be able to all pull on the same oar. And we we wholeheartedly agree that in our communities, mental health is really something many of us have had family members, friends impacted, and really, Nanette, it's the least we could do. And so thanks for making us aware of your passion. And uh, we certainly look forward to supporting you in return. Well, I am eternally grateful. This is really a surprise, my gosh. Um, and I know the Brookline Center will... Uh, just be, um, you know, completely flawed, floored by, uh, by this. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. One of the things I really love about our podcast is the last section we do every episode when we ask our lightning round questions, because so many times we look to quote unquote experts for their knowledge, which we should do, right? That's that they're, they're trying to educate us. But there's there's a couple of things that stick out in my mind. One is the humility of the people that we've had on our podcast. No matter how accomplished in their field, how brilliant they are, you know, when they share with you and I, Julie, it's like talking to one of our friends. 
They want their content to be understandable and they want it to be applicable. And so I have been really, I won't say amazed, but just really, really pleased with the manner of communication that a lot of our guests express and that the amount of emotion and care that they put into their work. I think it, it really makes a difference. And so, um, I know with our guests, sometimes we have to remember that aside from being experts, they're also people like you and I, and some of the laughs we've had with people, like you mentioned Libby in the fax machine or whatever it might be, getting to spring that surprise on the net. Um, you know, I hope our listeners enjoy that segment of the podcast because, um, you know, it's something that we continue to talk to our guests about even as we go forward. And likewise, our clients as pro- financial professionals, Julie, they come to us with expectations. They come to us with expectations about, you know, uh, investment recommendations, portfolio structure, all the typical stuff that financial professionals provide. But how often is it that it's those small everyday human items that really connect the client to us. Those little things we never knew about them before, but once we know them, they help us deeply understand who they are. And in the same way you mentioned vulnerability earlier, it helps them to understand who we are as well. So hence the name human-centric investing podcast. And we hope we're delivering on that promise to our listeners. I totally agree. And I think often, and I think this is one of the best compliments, John, that we can receive is our guests will email us afterwards and say, that was really fun. <laughs> and I had a great time or you you made that so easy or I really enjoyed myself. And to me, you know, sometimes recording a podcast can be stressful. It can be challenging. Oftentimes our guests are in different time zones. Some have even been in different countries when they've recorded with us. And I wouldn't necessarily say sometimes that it is an easy process, but the fact that they're emailing like that, to me, that is a great compliment. And I think that really does uh, say that we are trying to put the human-centric touch on this process. So I'm very proud of what we've been able to deliver. And I know we'll continue to raise the bar in the future. So Julie, it's year end. I think you and I need to talk about resolutions. Um, You know, hey, some people believe in them. Some people don't. Um, Where do you stand with New Year's resolutions? And if you are a a resoluter, what do we call it? Um, What areas or what would your New Year's resolution be if so? So it's interesting. Historically, I have not been a New Year's resolution type of a gal. Um, I the, the coach in me keeps a pretty tight framework, a pretty good goal list. Everything in my life is in a spreadsheet. It's tracked. It's monitored. So I, I guess maybe it's just a constant resolution, if you could put it that way. So there isn't usually one new thing or fresh thing that needs to be added. Um, But what was interesting about this year that was a little bit different that I'll share with you, a a Hartford Funds colleague and very good friend of mine asked me at the beginning of this year, she said, Julie, um, what is your word for the year? And I said, what do you mean? And she said, oh, well, every year I come up with a, a word for the year that's kind of my guiding beacon. And I said, hmm. You've piqued my interest. And so I thought about it overnight and I called her the next day and I said, I have my word. And my word was lighter 
And it, for me, it had two meetings. One was I wanted to shed a few of my COVID-19 pounds. I wanted to get back into a better workout system, essentially, now that John, we're back on the road, you know, getting kind of back into the routine and the system. So shed a few pounds on the lighter side of lighter. And then on the lighter side of just maybe shedding a little bit of stress, not taking some things on. You know, oftentimes when you're coaching a team, you can sort of maybe take on a little bit of their stress or just thinking about juggling you know, work and travel and personal things and all of those to-do lists. And sometimes it just can kind of, you know, pile up. And so that has been my word of the year. And I have to say, it really has been quite the guiding beacon. When I've started to feel myself um, slip on either side of the coin, I can think of the word and it's like, okay, you need to get your system back in place. And so it's been very interesting. This is the first year ever that I've had it. And I'm starting to think of what my word will be for next year. I don't have it yet, but hopefully next year we can talk about what it is and, and maybe see where I landed. But how about you? What, what do you do uh, each year? Do you have resolutions or a word or a process for, for your year? Uh, so I'm with you. Normally, no, because I have to share with you, Julie, I hate New Year's as a holiday. <laughs> it's like my least favorite holiday because nothing happens. Right. We're all holidayed out. We get an extra day. All right. So turn the calendar. Yep. I mean, the good thing is you usually get some time to get your arms around kind of what's going on and think about the new year. But I'm usually a guy that says, look, if it's worth a resolution, then you ought to start it now. But okay, we'll be in January. I'll give you two words. So you had your word, mine are two words, French fries. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why my resolution would be to give them up because I'm a French fry aficionado. There is nothing better in my books than a fresh cook, fresh cut, hand cut French fry. But how many times do you order French fries and you're sorely disappointed by the product that's put in front of you? And you're like, man, I'm, I'm almost like I got to remember this restaurant because I'm never ordering French fries here again. But I got to tell you, Julie, it's like 75% of the time now that French fries are horrible. So my resolution to make me happy and healthy will be just to forego the French fries. If I happen to stumble across a fresh hand-cut French fry place, it may kill me, but it'll be worth it in the long run. So there's my two words. I'm anxious to hear your word when you come up with it, but that's what I'll give you for now. I love it. I think that makes so much sense. Well, here's to a wonderful 2024 and thank you for the collaboration on 2023. I think that I've learned so much alongside of you and um, I know we'll continue to have just unbelievable guests on the podcast and uh, thank you for all the partnership on our human centric investing podcast. I, I wouldn't uh, have it any other way. Well, thanks, Julie. The feeling's the same, but also thanks to all of you who are listening. Uh, so the positive comments we get, the ideas that come from the field, Julie and I hope to continue to deliver on this in 2024 and welcome you all back anytime to the Human Centric Investing Podcast. Thanks, everybody, and wishing you all a prosperous, healthy, and happy 2024. Thanks for listening to the Hartford Funds Human Centric Investing Podcast. If you'd like to tune in for more episodes, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube. And if you'd like to be a guest and share your best ideas for transforming client relationships, email us at guestbooking at hartfordfunds.com. We'd love to hear from you. Talk to you soon.
The views and opinions expressed herein are those of the guest who is not affiliated with Hartford Funds.